Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining today. My name is Mike Vinoy, Vice President of Marketing at Assure. Uh, and today we're going to unpack a topic that, uh, for many people, they don't realize how new this topic is. Uh, you know, it's been illegal to, to uh, not pay people equally for equal work since 1963, when the Equal Pay, uh, for, uh, equal pay uh, Act was first passed. Uh, but, but laws and rules around equal pay are evolving. Uh, and, and there's some really important things uh, that, that uh, employers need to know. And so we're gonna unpack it today. And I got a great guest to, to do so. So Brian Schenker joins us today uh, uh, from Jackson Lewis. Uh, Brian's a regular contributor on the show. Uh, uh, his practice focuses on representing employers in a wide range of workplace matters. Uh, he has extensive experience uh, defending class action, uh, collective action lawsuits under federal and state wage and hour laws. Uh, he successfully defended wage and hour audits conducted by the U.S. and New York State Department of Labor. Uh, and he regularly handles cases before courts and administrative agencies involving claims of discrimination, sexual harassment, and retaliation. So welcome back to the show, Brian. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me, Mike. I think this is a, uh, a great topic to discuss. Uh, like you said, it's, it's something that's been around for a while, but uh, there's definitely been a recent push uh, with, with various laws. So I'm excited to uh, get into that. Yeah, so let, let's just jump in. Let's jump, in, jump into it, Brian. So, you know, literally it's 1963, the Equal Pay Act first passed. Uh, I, think, I think a lot of employers, you know, most employers are expert at their industry, their company, their business. Um, and they, on face value, they know it's illegal to not pay uh, people for uh, un unequally for the same work. Uh, but what's changed? Bring everybody up to speed here. Sure. So, right. I, I think you're right. Right. Uh, you know, since 1963 with the Equal Pay Act and 64 with uh, uh, Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, uh, right, there, there's been these prohibitions, uh, you know, that, that require this equal pay for equal work. Uh, but I think, you know, we, we've seen uh, an increased focus on it, you know, for, for a number of reasons. Uh, and, you know, states and localities are responding, you know, with a rapidly growing patchwork of, uh, of local laws. Uh, you know, I think, you know, what we've certainly seen is uh, increased attention uh, from the EEOC and for, uh, you know, federal contractors from the uh, OFCCP. Uh, you know, being more aggressive with their litigation and enforcement uh, with respect to equal pay. Uh, you know, and I think one of the reasons is that, you know, paid discrepancies still exist. Uh, I think, you know, some recent data uh, shows that uh, for, you know, full-time U.S. workers uh, that, you know, typically, you know, women in the U.S. are paid uh, less for every dollar than their, you know, white, non-Hispanic male counterparts. I, I've seen uh, data around, uh, you know, 82 cents on the dollar that they earn. Uh, and the statistics are even bleaker for minority women. Uh, so even though we've had these pay equity laws on the books, uh, I think there's a recent recognition that they haven't had uh, the intended effect of, uh, you know, getting rid of these, uh, you know, unequal pay. Um, you know, and, and certainly with media coverage, there's been a heightened awareness uh, of this. And I think that also has led to, you know, a more frequent employee inquiries and complaints about equal pay. 
Uh, I think as we'll certainly discuss today, um, the push for pay equity uh, has somewhat moved up, moved beyond uh, you know the statutes that require equal pay uh, into things such as you know uh, pay transparency, uh, banning you know salary history requests. Uh, so you know, I, I think all, all those factors are really uh, leading to this uh, you know this patchwork of legislation and are, are pushing employers even in other jurisdictions uh, to to you know compel them to take a closer look at their employment practices and um, you know how they impact you know equity within their organizations. So so Brian, so before we just move on and, and kind of start jump, jump jumping into what the actual new legislation is, we really have kind of kind of two. One one major let's call it sea change, right? Um, which is more legislation enforcement around equity and transparency, but they're really almost two separate things, right? There is a there is a ratcheting up of uh, enforcement um, uh, as as no longer just at a federal level, increasingly state and local level, uh, these laws are are being enforced with more rigor and there are additional uh, uh, laws, legislative activity that uh, we have to respond to that is more specifically at the state level. Am, am I capturing that right? Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. Uh, you know, the the early federal law said essentially equal pay for equal work, uh, but you know we haven't seen the substantial changes uh, that those and you know state laws that you know made similar mandates. Uh, uh, you know, required. So, you know, I, I think that's why we're we're seeing the push into these other areas, uh, so that you know th there can hopefully be the intended effect. Yeah. So, so let's let's do this then. So, um, uh, let, let, let's get specific, and and I think there's more than can be shared uh, in just this conversation. But talk about some of the specific new laws. Uh, uh, and especially uh, focused today around pay transparency. Right, right. So, right, like like we mentioned, that seems to be the the growing trend uh, into laws requiring pay transparency. Um, you know, I think one area that we previously seen that I mentioned was you know salary history, uh, you know disclosure bans. Uh, you know, real quick, the idea on those, you know, uh, on those prohibitions on asking an applicant for their, you know, prior salary is the idea that, you know, if someone's prior salary was artificially low due to discrimination from a past employer, uh, we don't want to perpetuate that problem, uh, even unintentionally uh, at, at a new uh, company. So, uh, you know, that I think those have had some effect. But yes, uh, you know, transparency and, you know, general, I guess, the general concept here is that um, you know that employees should know if they're being paid fairly. Uh, you know, often uh, you know this information is hidden from them, uh, so that employees are not able to, uh, I guess, know whether they're being you know paid unequally because they don't know what others uh, who we'd call their uh, quote-unquote comparators uh, are being paid. So uh, you know, it seems you know one of the big ideas behind these pay transparency laws uh, is so that you know employees will have that understanding very clearly uh, you know if they're being paid you know within a certain range you know equal uh, compared to others and so uh, you know I think 
you know, a real uh, simple one to, uh, you know, to uh, unravel first would be, you know, what's uh, coming up in New York City. Uh, in May, on May 15th, uh, 2022, uh, the New York City's law will be effective, and, it, and it's quite simple. Uh, employers with, you know, four or more New York City employees must include in any advertisement for a job, uh, promotion, or transfer opportunity uh, the minimum salary and maximum salary uh, for that position in the advertisement. Uh, you know, this would be the range that the employer in, in good faith believes, you know, at the time of the posting, uh, you know, it would pay. Um, yeah. You know, there there's some exemptions, for instance, for, you know, temp help firms. Uh, but, you know, this is, you know, this is important. This is, you know, the employee is going to know, you know, whether they're you know, at the top or the bottom in between. And, you know, if for some reason they they fall outside of that range, you know, on the low end, um, <clears throat> you know, that'll spur the employee, uh, you know, to certainly ask questions. So, uh, you know, that's one of the, uh, you know, more simple uh, pay transparency laws that uh, that we're seeing. Uh, and I guess it, probably the best thing to do would be to contrast that with uh, what has uh, taken effect in Colorado, which is probably one of the more, not probably, it is the most stringent uh, pay transparency uh, law that's taken, in, uh, taken effect. Uh, and that one is, uh, is about a year old. It, it took effect uh, in January 1st, 2021. And uh, it, that, that Colorado law applies to essentially all, all Colorado employers since uh, if they have an employee, they're covered. Um, and, you know, the Colorado law, uh, it, it really separates out, uh, you know, job postings, uh, for, you know, for jobs, you know, externally, you know, for applicants outside the organization to apply to and also promotional opportunities within the company and has, uh, all sorts of requirements on, uh, on the notice that employers give uh of of those promotional opportunities uh and and just so so the so the job postings that are similar to new york here's the minimum maximum pay for this job has but but what else want some more of the details about the promotional opportunities sure sure so basically the colorado law requires companies to provide uh, a formal notice to its employees of promotional opportunities. Uh, so, and in addition to that, they need to disclose, you know, the pay rates or ranges uh, for those postings. Uh, and so, you know, these, these notices, they need to be in writing. They need to be delivered in a method that reaches all employees, uh, you know, not just uh, the employees who, you know, the company thinks might be interested. Uh, in that position, but essentially, you know, all of their employees, uh, and it needs to go out to all employees on the same day, uh, and it needs to be done uh, sufficiently in advance of the uh, selection decision. Uh, so you can see that that's, you know, very strong requirements, um, you know, and, and you know, both the job postings and the notices of uh, promotional opportunities need to include a, a wealth of information about the, the position ranging from, you know, the job title to, as I mentioned, the wage uh, rate or uh, a range uh, that they believe might be paid. 
uh, and a general description of, of other types of pay that are being offered. For instance, if there's you know commissions or bonuses, uh, they need to uh, provide a general description of benefits being offered, such as uh, you know healthcare, uh, you know retirement benefits, uh, all paid time off that's being offered. Um, and so, you know, these are, this is a lot of, uh, you know, information that, that, you know, employers need to provide. Um, so, you know, it, it's, you that, know, that, I, I'm not, go ahead. That, that brings up all kinds of, uh, interesting scenarios, right? Um, you could be an employer, um, that has, so, so I, so I have, a, I have, I have, uh, uh, frontline employees in a certain job function. And maybe it's my maybe I think I don't have enough skill in that position. So in the past, where an employer maybe has gone out and they posted jobs, uh, or they've or they sought out a headhunter to go uh, uh, find workers uh, that don't pay the same amount. Uh, th this law is and the Colorado law, law is really intended to just create more transparency around it. So the all current employees are also fully aware of what the employer is seeking. Is that, am I saying that right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, it, it really, uh, the Colorado law specifically really, uh, you know, prohibits employers from working, uh, you know, working around that, especially in, you know, filling positions internally. Uh, you know, even if they're, you know, giving a, uh, a new employee uh, an existing employee, uh, you know, a new position that you know maybe just has a change in title or change in duties, you know, that can be enough to trigger these notice requirements uh, before that individual is promoted. Uh, you know, so you know it, it's something to to certainly take notice of. Um, and you know, there there are you know penalties for noncompliance, right? There are, there are fines between uh, you know five hundred dollars up to you know ten thousand dollars. Uh, per per job uh, with a non-compliant you know posting or notice of a promotional opportunity. So uh, you know the Colorado law ha you know is burdensome uh, and it has teeth. Um, you know we will discuss other laws. I'm I'm not sure if the trend will uh, be to you know as strict as the Colorado law. It might be somewhere right in between of you know what New York City is doing just with. The posting on the advert, the disclosure on the advertisement, uh, and what uh, and what Colorado is doing, uh, but you know these are you know certainly things that uh, you know employers need to understand whether there is uh, a pay transparency law in their jurisdiction. Uh, you know it can be assumed that you know pay equity is required, uh, right. but you know certainly these pay transparencies. Uh, laws, you know, require the employer to understand, you know, what they're obligated to do in advance of posting any position. And, and Brad, uh, so right now, either either pending legislation or there is legislation in place uh, just in, in preparation. So I know New York, California, Colorado, Maryland, Rhode Island, Washington, Nevada, and Connecticut. Um, are, are there a bunch more states that are contemplating laws uh, where, where do you where do you see this kind of sea change uh in, in in this in this transformation do you think most states will adopt transparency laws or and or do you see changes to the federal law yeah so i i think both i i think we'll likely see much more action uh continuing at this state level 
before you know we see a change at the federal level. Uh, I, I think as typical, uh, you know, the, the changes at, at the federal level just take uh, take more time, and uh, sometimes it's harder to get those, those passed. Uh, but yeah, like you said, you know, other states, right? Nevada, you know, Connecticut, right, uh, and others. Um, and I think, you know, if we were to see federal legislation, you know, we can look at these and, and see what's, uh, what's going on, right? For instance, you know, Nevada uh, requires employers to provide the wage or salary range to applicants uh, who have completed an interview, even without a request for that information, uh, though they require employees to request uh, the range uh, in order for the company to uh, be required to uh, be transparent. Uh, and, you know, Connecticut, for instance, you know, the employers have to provide the salary range to applicants upon request um, or end by the time, uh, you know, and, and they extend an offer of compensation if the applicant you know, didn't previously request it. So, uh, yeah, I think we'll certainly see more and more states do this uh, as there's a wider recognition that uh, pay equity laws just haven't had the teeth and haven't gotten the job done. Yeah, and and it seems you know I've, I've talked about this on uh, maybe <laughs> it seems like almost every week in the show we keep referencing examples where and, and it's the first one you talked about New York you didn't say New York State you said New York City right it's it's 1963 was the big federal law um, and while there's a ratcheting up of enforcement of federal laws that uh, uh, the continuum continues to tip towards rights of the employee um increasingly there are state laws in even local municipalities now new york city is a pretty big municipality but it's still it's not the state it's a city right and and so we're seeing this tipping from federal to state to local where the the layers of legislation and and the amount of detail that employers must be aware of just is getting exponentially more complex am i thinking about that the right way yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. And look, even if uh, an employer uh, is somewhere where there's not a, a pay transparency law, uh, you know, there are there are steps they should be taking, you know, with respect to, you know, pay equity. Uh, certainly, it's understandable and uh, probably advisable, you know, that if you know your jurisdiction does not include a pay transparency law, that you know, the, the, you know, there there may not be any reason to go forward and and do that. At this point, uh, but you know, employers should be you know taking this opportunity, seeing what's the the, the wave that's coming, uh, you know, to evaluate their own compensation data. Uh, yeah. You know, just as uh, just as always, advising companies that every position should have a uh, a job description, right? What what goes along with that? Uh, a salary range or you know a, a wage rate range uh, for for that position. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, businesses should know what they want to pay for a position. Uh, and, you know, generally, if you're going to deviate from, from that pay, uh, there should be, you know, business related and non-discriminatory reasons for doing so. And you know, I think we've repeated this before, I think in our prior discussions, but, uh, you know, documentation of everything is always so key. And, uh, you know, if there are, if there are you know, deviations from that range, uh, you know, employers should document those business reasons why, uh, so that, you know, when, if and when there 
their you know pay uh, policies or compensation uh, policies are challenged that they you know it's easier to establish why there's differentiations from you know, how employee a versus how employee b you know is paid let, let, let's let's go let's go there and just talk about the, uh, that's, uh, you know how, how to comply so um, and I guess I guess on one hand it seems obvious if you happen to live in New York City you follow the New York City law if you live in Colorado you follow the Colorado law um, so maybe give some guidance uh, I think around the easy part following your local law or the highest bar I should say in case there are uh, multiple layers of laws, um, but then uh, let's go down this path of guiding small businesses, mid-sized companies uh, who don't have huge HR departments to be thinking about how to comply with what is probably inevitable law. Sure, sure. So that's a, right. So I think number one is determining if you're in a state or a city with one of these laws on the books. Uh, you know, if you're in New York City, for instance, or you're hiring New York City employees, uh, you know, a, a law like that is, you know, relatively easy to comply with. It's, you know, it's changing your advertisement uh, to include this range. Uh, you know, something like, you know, Colorado's law is a bit more complicated, uh, you know, and might take, uh, you know, either, you know, more investigation or bring in someone from the outside to to assist in in, in complying uh you know and but i think i think the key is that uh you know employers should remember that these pay transparency laws uh are made with the goal of promoting pay equity uh so you know let's not forget that that pay equity aspect to it uh i i think it's a great idea for uh, you know, all business owners, especially for, you know, small and mid-sized companies, uh, to, to prepare this data, right? It can be as easy as, you know, putting together a spreadsheet with, you know, all employees, uh, their titles, uh, you know, positions and, and what they're earning. And, you know, if there are multiple locations, you know, I'd identify that. Uh, but, you know, just putting that data together, uh, can give a, a business an idea of, you know, are they, you know, paying people, you know, equally? Um, and if not, are, are there reasons, you know, for for why that's not occurring? Because uh, you know, look, a lot of this can be unintentional, uh, and you know, and that brings me back to the thought of, uh, you know, the the ban on, uh, you know, salary uh, history questions. And I, I think, you know, that's one of those factors where you know, business could, you know, solely rely on uh, past salary histories to set their pay scale and that could unintentionally result uh in substantial issues in you know for instance whether it's uh you know women or uh you know some you know, a, a minority group not being paid uh as much as others uh and so you know looking at the data i think is the first step to understanding if there's an issue uh but you know also setting policies Right. Uh, you know, whoever is making the hiring and setting of the wage, uh, you know, for, for new employees, uh, you know, those individuals need to, you know, understand, you know, what are uh, acceptable, uh, you know, factors to consider and, you know, which are, are not acceptable factors to consider in, in setting a, a salary. 
Um, so I, I think that's all, you know, very important to understand, uh, you know, even if there's no pay transparency law on the books. Brian, is it, should employers be concerned about, um, is this really only where the work is performed versus where the employee resides? So if I'm, uh, I'm in Hoboken and I've got somebody, I got somebody who makes a reverse commute from, uh, from, uh, from the New York side. Um, so there are New York City residents, but they work in New Jersey. Um, uh, what's the employer's responsibility for knowing laws where their employees live, not necessarily where the, where the work is performed? Sure. So it, it's not always necessarily where they live. Uh, typically, these laws are you know are more about you know where uh, the employer is and where uh, they are hiring you know for that position. Uh, so, you know, even though the, the employee might be, you know, might live in New Jersey, if it's a, you know, a New York City uh, position, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, that's important to understand. But I think what you're saying, you know, probably, you know, uh, leads us right into the discussion of, you know, re remote positions. Yeah, um, let's, let's go there because that's where we were, that's where was good. we were going to go next. So, yeah, break that okay. down. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I think you know, and that's something that you know might differ, you know, in terms of you know the location of the employee versus you know where the uh, you know where the employer is. You know, again, that's something that's going to be very specific uh, to each each jurisdiction's law. Um, you know, so it's important to to look there and figure that out for sure. Yeah, and so uh, I mean, hate hate to say it, but the the reality is. It just this is one of the contributing factors why this is so darn complex because uh, where the employee lives versus where the work is performed. I think generally speaking, we understand uh, tax law right uh, to be based on where the work is performed, but increasingly HR laws are just more and more complex um, that you you need to understand law uh, of of not just where your main office is, where the work is performed, but where employees live, uh, which just, if you live on a near, if, you, if you're if you in a city that's on a, on a, on a, on a border with another state, uh, you just doubled or tripled your level of complexity to understand all this, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're right, and if you're an employer with, you know, multiple locations, you know, in, in different states, uh, you know, that that's also, you know, complicates it as well. Uh, you know, that being said, uh, you know, geography, you know, can be a legitimate non-discriminatory, uh, you know, factor in, in setting wages. Uh, so, you know, that, you know, that can be something that's, you know, utilized in determining uh, the wage scale for, for employees. So, so when you say, it's a non-discriminatory factor, meaning it's okay to pay someone less uh, in, to do that. So, so if I have a work from home virtual job, is it okay to pay someone less? In, yeah, so uh, South Dakota than it is in Manhattan, just because of mm -hmm. local labor markets. Right. So th th this is a great. Uh, great question. I think it's a, an area that, uh, especially with remote work, that we're going to see, uh, you know, courts really, you know, how how they handle this because, um, you know, certainly as we discussed, right, there are legitimate 
factors that can be uh, looked at, you know, that result in people earning different amounts, right? Whether it's, you know, geography, right? You know, uh, you know, meaning, right, there's a business location uh, in a state or city with a high cost of living. Uh, and so those employees who work there might be paid uh, higher compared to, you know, a location with a lower cost of living. Um, you know, other factors like, you know, uh, you know, degrees, education, years of experience. But I think when we're looking at remote jobs, uh, it becomes even even more complicated, uh, you know, because, you know, general, I guess, you know, the general concept, uh, you know, whether or not it's defensible to pay remote workers, you know, less uh than than you know employees in the physical workplace you know m may depend on on the jurisdiction uh, obviously you know the, the equal pay act uh you know uh, states that you know you you can look to geography to defend you know compensation uh decisions but um you know i i guess you know we can take for example the situation where you have remote workers who may live nearby the actual business location but they're remote uh right it, it's probably the same cost of living uh so what would be the basis for you know paying those remote workers in the same uh geographic location you know less than than the others uh i i think one concern that uh you know i've seen you know from reading literature and i, I think also uh, you know anecdotally uh is that we're finding that, uh, you know, if a if if an employer, uh, you know, is looking to attract staff right now in, in this in the environment we're in, you know, a lot of employers are offering uh, remote work or you know going to current employees and offering them the the choice uh, to you know volunteer for remote work. And I think you know what what we're seeing, what we're finding is that uh, it's often women. Uh, who are you know willing to work remotely and you know possibly take a pay cut you know or, or less money uh, for the benefit of not having to commute and be home because you know it, it's often women that you know disproportionately have more responsibilities at home uh, than men and so they're like more likely to raise right. their hand uh, to work remotely so then you know if your remote workers are being paid less you know that, then we we might have an issue of a you know disparate impact. Uh, so very, you know, it's it's complicated. We haven't really seen how you know courts are going to handle that. Uh, you know, so we'll have to see how how the case law shakes out. But you know, those are you know serious issues to to consider with you know remote workers versus those who are physically present. Yeah, and we're seeing this more and more in, in tech, right? Um, in mm -hmm. the 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 shift to virtual work has obviously been a continuum that's that's going for twenty years, right? Um, uh, but the pandemic really accelerated that, that movement and, you know, you got technology, technology talent. Yeah. Uh, if you're a, if you're a programmer, uh, you're historically, you're worth a heck of a lot more if you live in Silicon Valley, uh, than, than if you are in, you know, a, a rural market, right? You don't have to name anything, uh, just cause there aren't as many, the supply demand curve. Uh, but when everything's virtual, these Silicon Valley companies, these New York City companies, uh, Dallas, Chicago, the big markets, they're paying top dollar for remote uh, uh, employees as long as they have a good internet connection, right? So um, this is, I, I suspect this is gonna be tested 
and courts uh, in the coming year or two in a way that it hasn't yet. Is that, do you think that's right? Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Uh, I, I think probably the remote uh, jobs, that, that's what we're going to you know, start seeing you know, come through the court system. And we'll have to, you know, see how those are handled uh, because, yeah, it's not as straightforward as, you know, two individuals in the same workplace being paid differently. Uh, you know, there are other factors, uh, you know, to consider with jobs. Uh, you know, and, and I think, you know, that j it brings out, uh, you know, one of those issues in discrimination, right, that it's not always about uh, disparate treatment, which is, uh, essentially, you know, discriminating against an individual, you know, paying them less because, for instance, that, that you know, of their sex. Um, but, you know, disparate impact claims, uh, you know, that there's potential for those in, in this arena as well, where, you know, looking at the pay data for a company, you know, we don't know what what is causing it or, you know, we might, you know, it might not be able to identify that. But you can see that, you know, for instance, you know, women, in the same positions are being paid less, you know, across the board. Uh, and so even if there's, you know, not a specific policy that can be pointed to, that type of disparate impact, you know, is problematic nonetheless. Before we move on to our, our final topic, I just kind of want to give guidance for the future and the, in the direction here, and we've, we've been sprinkling that throughout. Um, on this topic of advertising for remote job, job descriptions, what specific guidance can you give? Because some listening today live in a place, live in one of these cities or states where there is uh, 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 new legislation, new laws they must comply with. There are other people uh, not on this call who are posting for remote work uh, in and, and without even knowing it, we'll have applicants from these areas and will perform the work in these areas and have no idea that these laws even exist, right? Because they don't exist in their hometown or home state. So what, 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 what specific guidance would you be giving employers around specifically advertising for remote job descriptions? Yeah, another, another great question, Mike. And I I think you know one thing we've seen already uh, with that uh, that Colorado law uh, is that you know we're seeing some employer advertisements for remote positions or you know positions that can be performed anywhere uh, that you know this that position is not available in in Colorado right they're they're putting that out there so uh, that they're not coming under uh, the, those laws now I think at this point right that might be something that's relatively easy to do and you know there there might only be you know one law uh on the books that that does that uh that, that has such requirements but i think as we see you know the, the trends grow and and you know additional states pass uh you know similar laws to colorado you know that might be more difficult to have you know all those caveats to a job position and uh you know i, I think it's possible we see a trend towards uh, you know, salary range disclosure on, on advertisements, uh, even where, you know, it, it might not be required just so that, uh, especially with these, you know, remote jobs that uh, employers, uh, you know, don't run the risk of, you know, violating the law in a state where, you know, they are looking and they may have applicants. Um, you know, so, you know, that's definitely one way to just, you know, include it. Uh, 
uh, the, the salary range or, you know, employers will really have to pay attention to, you know, which jurisdictions are, are not allowing this. Uh, and, you know, they'll have to include those, you know, those statements on, on advertisements that, you know, perhaps they're not looking there. And again, it, it, you know, I, I think the general question is, you know, is that something that's worthwhile to employers, right? Are, are employers willing to lose out on potential talent in jurisdictions uh, that have these transparency requirements uh, for, for remote work instead of, you know, simply providing that, uh, that disclosure uh, and, you know, and, and looking for applicants in those areas. I, I think that's uh, something that I've seen, you know, clients grappling with. I think, you know, given how new these transparency laws, it, it's not something that I've seen, you know, any uniform uh, decisions being made. But I think, you know, as this continues in the next you know, year or so, uh, you know, companies are going to take much closer looks at this, you know, especially when, when looking for, uh, you know, remote uh, you know, applicants. So let let let, let so you're you're already transitioning for me in, into the, to the future direction. Let me let me throw some scenarios at, at you and and just give me your reaction and and maybe some guidance. So I, I when I think about why an employer would not want transparency, um, uh, I think most employers that they have they don't have nefarious intentions, right? They're not trying to squeeze. Uh, the little man, so to speak. Uh, they're they're trying, to, trying to run a business and be as productive as they can. Uh, uh, and so maybe an employer uh, has performance issues with some internal employees and they wanna uh, post a job that they are, are willing to pay more because they are expecting a different level of talent that comes in. Mm. Um, how should an employer think about doing that in this new landscape yeah wow that, that's a that's a great uh great hypothetical uh and yeah i i think that that can cause issues right because I, I think the point of your, right, what you're saying is that right the current employee uh you know might see you know is going to see that you know they're being replaced by someone who's now being paid a lot more for what they think is the same position uh, I think it probably goes back to, you know, documentation that, you know, if the company is looking for something different, whether they're, you know, looking for someone with more, you know, years of experience or, you know, that those things, you know, if they're looking for someone with you know, an additional degree, uh, you know, those things should be documented uh, as to, you know, why the range is changing. And look, you know, we're, we're also in an inflationary period right now. Uh, the, the wages that a company was willing to pay a year ago for uh, the same position uh, may have substantially changed by you know where we are right now. Uh, so you know that and that's okay. Uh, but I think you know companies should you know have some documentation uh, for those reasons. Uh, you know because look you know if you, you know you get an equal pay plan. Be a year later, and and you might not be sure. Maybe that hiring manager is no longer with the company. So we want to have, you know, something to rely on, something to look back on, and say, yes, this is a legitimate factor we considered in, you know, in looking for, you know, the same, uh, you know, someone for the same position, but at a higher, higher wage rate. Yeah. I, I want to go more detail now. You stole my next question from me, by the way. Um, <laughs> And I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm aging myself, but I remember, I remember uh, 
uh, being a fairly young manager uh, during the dot-com bubble, um, you know, around 2000 and um, wages for technology salespeople were just bonkers, right? And so you had really good, talented, hardworking and, and successful people, not, not anybody you want to work out of the business making, you know, X, <clears throat> and they've been with you for five years, but to bring somebody new in, it was way higher compensation. But if you were to raise the compensation of all your current employees to that new market level, I mean, the check would bounce. I mean, it, it was, it was the employers were put in a really, really difficult position. This feels, this great resignation feels a little bit like that in that we're in such an inflationary era. <clears throat> if you're a business that, you simply don't have the margins to give everybody in your company a raise at the same rate as what is required to bring somebody new in off the street. Um, it puts puts employers in a really, really tough position. Can, can you be more, give really specific advice. Um, obviously, obviously the advice is if you live in one of these states, you got to follow those laws. But just across the board in this inflationary environment, you, you talk about documentation. Specifically, what should they be documenting? Right. So, <laughs> another excellent question, Mike. And I, I think you know that that goes to you know one of the things. And and I think when when companies are interviewing employees and and getting into the compensation uh, issue, right? The, the question you know shouldn't be you know what were you making at your last employer. It's you know what are you looking to make in this position. Uh, and yes, I think it's possible there will be, you know, negotiations and, you know, offers when an employee is, you know, comes in and is earning more, uh, than maybe, you know, the range, uh, provided or, you know, more than existing employees. But, um, I think that, right, if, if it's based on that information, right? So let's say you're, you're thinking of, you know, only going up to, you know, say 80,000 for a job and you have an, you know, an applicant who, you know, fits all, all the criteria and they're, they're demanding, you know, 90. Um, you know, I think, you know, right. You could, without any documentation, you could just pay that person 90, but you know, the company, right. There should be interview notes. There should be notes that, you know, taught, you know, list the, the negotiated numbers, right. That, that are back and that went back and forth, um, you know, document that those discussions that, you know, you're having an employee, you know, demand this amount and that, uh, you know, those factors can, you know, go against that, you know, a claim that the company just decided to pay, you know, certain people uh, more because of, you know, protected characteristics or, or less because of protected category, uh, characteristics. So, um, so, yeah. So if I can work through, if I can go through that hypothetical then. So what an employer should be trying to protect against um, it, and obviously everyone should be doing the right thing for, for their employee, for the business and for their employees. We're not advocating at all. Uh, to, we're not, we're not trying to share tips and tricks how to screw over employees here. Right. Um, certainly, but if you're in an inflationary market, I've got the current employees that are being paid X. Um, and I have to bring, and I'm bringing somebody new at, at Y and it is a higher rate for the same work. So if I have an existing employee, they can make a wage and hour claim. And without any documentation, I could absolutely be in violation of equal pay for equal work. But are you saying, are you telling us, uh, Brian, that if I have a good job description for my current employees, 
that, ex that, that includes the pay band. Here's the low end of the scale. Here's the high end of the scale. Here's where you fit in that band. If I have a job description that matches the job that I'm advertising for, and I have good notes, I have I can document the number of applicants that I had. I can document the salary requirements of those applicants. I can document the negotiation that happened back and forth. And inevitably, I end up hiring this person at a higher rate because I quote unquote had to. Are you saying, so all of that type of documentation, is that what you're saying? could protect you in a wage hour case exactly exactly that's what it is and look because it's it's tough to pay people exactly the same amount right like you said there there are legitimate uh factors that that will result in those differences uh but right that type of documentation to explain why and and look especially in this inflationary period you know uh, and in that plus, right, the, the great resignation that, that you mentioned uh, is a reason that, you know, uh, employers may need to pay uh, more to bring on employees. And, and look, there, there are other options, too. Right. Uh, you know, you can pay the same, uh, have the same salary range for someone new. But, uh, you know, there might be a sign on bonus. I, I mean, again, we can't just. Uh, employers can't just get around these requirements by, you know, giving other compensation. Uh, you know, that's not going to look at get looked at. I, I think it, uh, you know, will if there are claims. Um, but you know, there are certain reasons, and I, I think we're seeing a lot of them, you know, right now. Uh, you know, why it may be hard to bring in people at the same range that you're currently paying. But you know, I think again, you know, employers should then always, you know, evaluate. You know what their workforce looks like and you know if if you know a company brings in you know that's just use the example of men versus women you know if there are you know five new hires in a position uh recently and they're all men uh and they're all getting paid a higher amount because of you know business circumstances uh you know we might not have a business uh, uh you know disparate uh, treatment claim, but there there could be a disparate impact if then you know the, the men in this position are being paid more than uh than than the women and so there might need to be adjustments uh you know and i think unfortunately yeah as our conversation is probably showing uh you know there's there, there's no you know one size you know fits all solution for this you know em employers you know I, I think the answer really lies in the employer uh even small and mid-sized companies having uh these set policies on how they're going to compensate people and, and getting that data, right? I think it's important for, you know, a business owner or HR to look at and understand, you know, how people are being paid in the same or similar positions. Uh, there might be, you know, absolutely unintended uh, differences, but, you know, if they're substantial, if it's based on, uh, you know, if it's drawn down, you know, protected category lines, you know, those, those are issues. Uh, and I think, you know, a, a lot of this, uh, you know, more so than other types of discrimination claims, uh, you know, uh, problems in this arena can come from unintentional uh, actions. But I think what these laws are uh, trying to get across to employers is that, uh, you know, ignoring the issue is, is not good enough. 
that, you know, there's, you know, certainly within many of these laws, you know, some proactive uh, stuff that, that employers are, are, are going to have to uh, do. Uh, and so even if you're not in a jurisdiction uh, that has a pay transparency law, you know, I, I think, you know, a good start is, you know, examining your own workforce, seeing how they're paid and, you know, seeing how you make those uh, those decisions on compensation. Uh, I think that's really the place to start for, for any employer. Right. I'm going to give you one more use case just because I fear all the examples that I've, all the, all the scenarios that I've given are where uh, uh, the employee might feel trampled by their employer. I want to give an exact mm-hmm. opposite case. Uh, maybe, maybe I've hired people uh, into a job family um, that we were maybe immature as an organization. And so I needed I needed top of market talent. I needed people who were experienced, who could see around corners for me to do the job. But maybe I'm five years into performing that type of work uh, uh, in our company. Um, and we've got our systems pretty much locked down. We've got good training. We've got good documentation. I no longer need the same level of talent to do the job. I can bring in somebody more junior to do that exact same work than I possibly required five years ago. But I don't want to I don't want to get rid of my current more expensive people. They're good people and and, and I'd be silly to, to lose them. But I so I'm paying current staff X and now I bring in somebody new at Y. Uh, mm-hmm. how, how how does an employer uh, protect themselves from a wage and hour uh, 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 investigation by, by any any uh, federal or state or local authority? Um, because, you know, people talk that new employee is going to find out probably pretty soon uh, uh, that they're getting paid less for presumably the same work mm-hmm. as all the other people. And if that person is in a protected class of any kind, uh, you're in trouble, right? So t- talk us through that scenario. Right. So I, I think that type of scenario, you know, could be problematic. Uh, you know, look, I, I think an employer in that situation might want to look as to, you know, whether this person they're hiring uh, will go in that same position or if there's, you know, a different position that they need to establish uh, for someone, maybe, you know, maybe a more junior role. Uh, but again, you know, that, that can lead to issues where, you know, a lot of the pay equity laws, uh, you know, not at the federal level, but I think more so I think at the state are expanding, uh, you know, who can be compared. Uh, so, you know, right, even if we, you know, hire that person in a more junior role, they might still, you know, the person in the more senior role might still be a comparator uh, for purposes of determining equal pay. Yeah. Uh so look, I, I think they, you know, a, a company in that situation needs to look at, right? I mean, if they're looking for someone with, you know, less experience or, you know, maybe you know, not having a certain degree that, that the uh, more senior person has, you know, look, those, those can be, you know, legitimate factors in terms of uh, setting a, a lower compensation. Um, and yeah, certainly a difficult scenario. And I think one of the things you pointed out, I just wanted to pick up on because I think it's also a great point that many employers may not actually be aware of is that, you know, employees are allowed to discuss uh, their salary and that, you know, people, uh, you know, even without these transparency laws, uh, employees will will talk and will find out what, what they're 
what each other are making. And, you know, that type of conversation is protected by the National Labor Relations Act. Uh, you know, when employees get together and are discussing uh, terms and conditions of employment, uh, you know, that's protected activity. So, uh, you know, I think you you know, say it's some employers, right? <laughs> Right, right. I think some employers have this idea that, oh, I, I can ban and prohibit uh, my employees from, you know, discussing these issues. And, you know, therefore, if it's not talked about, you know, uh, you know wage, you know, pay equity, you know, problems don't exist because no one will know. Um, that's, that's not the case. People will discuss. It's protected. Uh, you cannot ban that. And so, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, it, it would be, I think, a little bit uh, naive of employers, especially in this environment where these equal pay issues uh, are starting to come to the forefront and, you know, are receiving a lot of media attention uh, that, you know, employees will talk and they will find out. So, uh, you know, and, and look, minimally, even if you're not concerned with a, uh, a legal issue, uh, which, as you've discussed, there are, there are legal issues, uh, you know, these are employee relations and morale issues. Uh, when you know, employee finds out they're doing the same job for substantially less, uh, you know, how long is that employee going to stick around? Uh, how motivated are they going to be in performing their job? Uh, so, right. you know, these issues aren't just, you know, to, hey, you know, protect the company from uh, legal exposure. Obviously, compliance with the law, you know, will do that, uh, but it prevents these types of issues that come up and, you know, take your, your workers, you know, focus away from, you know, performing their functions and more towards, uh, you know, having, having these types of gripes, which, you know, can, can, you know, really be disastrous for companies, even if not, you know, disastrous in a legal sense, disastrous from, you know, a, a morale standpoint. Right. Right. You know, in, 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 Maybe the last thing, and then we'll, I think we'll wrap here, uh, Brian. Great conversation with you as always. Um, in that in that use case that I gave, with, with the and in the thinking about how to how to document properly, would the right approach there be? Would the recommendation possibly look something like this, where we'd say, okay, employer, um, you're not really bringing people in to do the same job, um, so you need to probably break this job into classifications. So maybe I have a it's individual contributor level one and an individual contributor level two. And so all my existing people who I'm paying more, they're more skilled and more experienced. I needed that from them to start out. Um, guys, you, I'm reclassifying your job. Here's your new job description. We uh, talk about it publicly. We talk about it in one-on-ones. And then when we post the new job, we're hiring in for a, a more junior position <clears throat> that has a different job description. Uh, as that level one, it, 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 would that be a good course of action to protect the employer? Yeah, I, I think you know. I think what you just went through was was excellent because I, I think yes. In addition to addressing those wage equity issues, I think that what what you just stated you know shows that these job descriptions are not just made and then you know. They, they just stay right. right job descriptions are changing and should be updated and you know so you know along with the job description so does you know so the compensation goes with that so i think you know in that scenario right the, the jobs are changing right where where we thought we you know where the company thought there was just one position 
Now they're realizing, you know, there are multiple levels to this position. And, you know, there's not just maybe one job description for that anymore. There are multiple ones with, you know, uh, commensurate, uh, you know, compensation. Uh, and so, yes, I think that type of, you know, that type of documentation of, you know, such positions and, you know, the updated job descriptions and, you know, uh, pointing out, you know, the additional duties that the more senior level one or, you know, whatever requirements it might have, right. whether those are additional duties and tasks or if, you know, the prerequisites for getting that position are, are a bit higher. You know, the, you know, these job descriptions should always be, uh, you know, updated to reflect that. And, you know, the compensation can be updated as well. So, yeah, I, I think what how you stated that was, was excellent, Mike. Uh, Brian, what, uh, amazing conversation as always. I always learn from you. So uh, any anything that you would add in closing, any final guidance you would give uh, our listeners today? Sure. I, I just think that, you know, in general, that, you know, salary transparency, a focus, uh, a renewed focus on pay equity, uh, you know, at least in my opinion, you know, is the is the future. It's the trend. Uh, you know, I, I think that at a minimum, you know, we'll see new laws uh, at, at least requiring, you know, compensation uh, ranges, you know, uh, upon request, if not, you know, requiring them to be proactively disclosed, like in you know, New York and Colorado. Um, I think that, you know, the opportunity transparency, that's part of the, uh, uh, that's part of the Colorado law. I'm not sure we'll, how much we'll see of that in other state laws. Uh, but I think, you know, companies can expect this trend to continue. And, you know, as, as I've mentioned, you know, it's there's never a bad time to look internally uh, at, you know, how you're doing about, you know, your own data and examining your own policies. And so, you know, now is certainly a good time to do that. Yeah, Brian, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, if, if you guys need help in this area, this, this is what we do. Um, I, I think whether you live in one of these states or these municipalities, uh, that has new uh, uh, wage transparency laws or or, or not. Um, uh, wage and hour disputes <clears throat> and investigations and audits uh, can can crush a small or mid-sized business. Uh, and you don't have to be wrong. Uh, you just have to have the resources and costs to defend uh, a case, whether you're right or wrong. And so, uh, as always, documentation is everything. Uh, and Brian continued to hit that hit that uh, theme for us. Documentation in the form of job descriptions, job uh, documentation in the form of notes of interviews, uh, job uh, uh, documentation in the form of uh, extemporaneous notes uh, from one-on-one -on -one meetings with employees. And so uh, if you don't have uh, the resources to hire, say a SHRM certified HR professional, um, uh, uh, because you're uh, a small and uh, growing business or you're a mid-sized company, but your employees would prefer to talk to a an unbiased third party. Many of them do, uh, and they're more willing to open up to a third party uh, HR person uh, because they know that their boss has a social relationship with the HR manager and they just might not be comfortable uh, uh, sharing all. And the more transparent you can be, the more you document uh, your processes, uh, the more you document uh, your jobs. Uh, uh, the, these are exactly the types of services we provide, whether it's our entry-level services where we provide outsourced HR just for your managers in a reactive mode, 
strategic HR for your managers in a proactive mode where we are writing these job descriptions for you. We are, we are uh, doing the audits. We're, we're providing training for your managers. Or we're literally the entire help desk. Uh, we are your HR department. Your employees call us uh, and we just truly become a member of your team. Whatever is the appropriate way that we can help you, we'd love to be able to do that. If not, uh, hopefully today's discussion added value. Uh, uh, whether you uh, ever become an, an Assure client uh, and you get smarter about staying compliant with laws, uh, finding the talent you need to grow your business. Uh, Brian, maybe just a, a, a quick message about who Jackson Lewis is and how you guys help customers. Sure. So at Jackson Lewis, we're a nationwide employment defense firm. Uh, we represent companies in all sorts of uh, labor employment matters. Uh, we have over 60 offices throughout the country, and uh, yeah, as you mentioned, you know, I'm, I'm a litigator, so and, and we have lots of litigators in, in many jurisdictions, and uh, you know, certainly, you know, we can handle these types of uh, discrimination matters and all sorts of uh, you know employment matters that uh, that come up, uh, and so. Obviously, the idea is, uh, and I think all employers, you know, want to avoid any types of claims. But uh, Mike, as you and I have certainly seen, uh, you know, there's a very active uh, uh, plaintiffs bar out there, very active, uh, you know, federal and state agencies, uh, and so you know, many employers, even if you're doing the right thing, eventually uh, you will have to defend the claim, and you know, we're, we're absolutely. Uh, uh, there for you know to you know for anyone who uh, you know wants to discuss that or you know if, if you're in that unfortunate situation. And Brian, I think the irony here is that uh, uh, I rely on you for great conversations like today, and it's our job to for our clients never to need you. Um, but inevitably, even when we get the tough questions, you guys are the ones we ask. So uh, thanks a lot for joining me today, and thanks for everyone else for joining today. Uh, beyond HR compliance, of course. Uh, anything we can do to help in the payroll, HR, time and attendance uh, uh, area of helping you find talent, stay compliant, and grow your business, we'd love to help. With that, we'll talk to you next show. Thanks.